Hello and welcome back to InfraDig, the podcast service hosted by IJ Global Infrastructure Journal. For those of you tuning in for the first time, let me explain the InfraDig mission. With these podcasts, we seek to shine a light into the darkest corners of the infrastructure and energy world, promoting greater understanding of this fast evolving asset class. And what's evolving faster these days than hydrogen? Last month, I spoke to Marco Raffinetti, Chief Executive of Hyphen Hydrogen Energy, to hear about the truly ambitious plans to drive investments in Namibia. Today, well, I'm focusing a little closer to home, talking to the leader of the world's largest clean hydrogen infrastructure investment platform. Let me make my introductions. Me, I'm Angus Leslie Melville, and I'm Editorial Director of IJ Global infrastructure journal. Today I'm delighted to introduce a very interesting guest. I have with me Pierre Etienne Fonck, chief executive of HI24 and founding force behind the Hydrogen Council. Let's take a look at the company Pierre Etienne leads. Um, HI24 spun out of 5T Hydrogen and since last October 2021 the company has helped gather more than 1.4 billion euros in capital dedicated to clean mm -hmm. hydrogen and there was even a recent announcement that Airbus has invested. What an interesting organization and what an interesting section sector to be driving innovation. Pierre Etienne, welcome to Infradig. Thank you. Good uh, afternoon. Uh, pleasure to be with you today. Lovely to have you here too. Um, now, did I cover off everything about your career or would you like to add a little bit more about yourself? I would just add a very small uh, topic is that before joining and moving into this fund creation, I used to work with the Liquid Group for 25 years, where I basically learned a lot uh, and developed a lot around the industry and hydrogen. So that's one of the reasons why this fund is so special is that it's a mix of industry players and financial players as we have a GV with Ardia. But we'll come to that later on. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, now let's have a chat about High 24 and what you've achieved to date, uh, what your plans are for the future and how you're going to make hydrogen work. Let's start off with HI24's first fund, which is focused on scaling hydrogen infrastructure projects. Now, this fund is about to close, I think, uh, having launched only a year ago. Now, when it comes to fundraising for infrastructure funds, uh, we're used to this being pretty pacey, but forgive me for saying this, we do class hydrogen in this application as an emerging technology. And in that case, it's lightning fast. How did you go about doing that? So I think this 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 goes back to the history of this uh, industry. This industry has moved further uh, in, over the last couple of years because people have understood that hydrogen has a key role to play in the energy transition and that now it was time to scale. And in fact, the COVID helps us uh, to bring that forward. And the European Recovery Plan, then the current uh, US plan, we'll speak about it later, are all pushing forces to move at scale. And so then we got that first industry players to um, propose them to foster and foster the creation of a fund and bring forward money all together so that the fund brings scale. And then when we have gathered those and, and won the tender they did, namely Total, Air Liquid, Vinci, Plug Power and others, then it was more easy to bring in the financial one because they see there is skin in the game from the players that are going to work on the topic. And so it's true that we we we'll announce this fund in October and we're going to close it for real in October and we're going to be uh, uh, probably um, far 
above the 1.6 uh, billion already announced because we have done a couple of leads since, but it's going to be communicated in a couple of weeks. So it was fast also because the Ukrainian war mm. has reinforced the sensation that you need to shift into a non-fossil world and then hydrogen will be a key piece for that. So it has accelerated rather than slowed down the appetite from the financial players. And that mm -hmm. was relatively, it was a surprise to be honest, but, yeah. but at the end, the result is that we have a 50-50 well-balanced fund between financial and industrial LPs. Mm, okay, so that will be a year door to door on fundraising to yeah. final close and 1.6. I had you at 1.4, so apologies for that. And you, you're going to be considerably higher than that. Do, do you have a we, hard cap? We, in fact, we we have a hard cap, but but we we might even be a little bit better. Not I cannot tell more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll look forward to hearing about that. Um, that sounds really good. So, okay, so that that's the fundraising. But Pierre Etienne, I think you'll agree, deployments. What you're all about now? In February, you joined forces with Mirova, CDPQ, Technip Energy. Uh, excuse my accent. Uh, and that was to make a 200 million euro investment into a green hydrogen pioneer and that's a high gen high 2gen age the yeah. green hydrogen producer how did you manage that so quickly and what were the challenges so i think again we, as we're coming me and a couple of people from 5t we're coming from the industrial world we basically help build all of that network on the dynamic on hydrogen we know a little bit who are the key players which are the most advanced so we we, we picked them before having uh, finished the fundraising, of course, and, and we picked them because they have already a good shareholders base with Trafigura in as an off-taker for ammonia and all the products that are green hydrogen made. And they had already picked very good sites on positioning in um, very strong hydroelectric basins. So Quebec, Norway, things in France also, where they can rapidly access to low cost, stable, long, uh, stable, um, full, fully loaded uh, uh, electricity at, at an interesting pricing, which is critical for electrolysis and ammonia. So we pick them because bringing together us, I mean, Mirova, CDPQ, Technip, us, plus Trafigura, brings around the table a set of off-takers, project developers, and financial supporters for the future funding of projects, which is very good. And they have a good technical and project development team. Um, but but there are many others. And, and the, the question now, of course, is to find the right, the right ones and to make sure we find people that are developing the right scale project, but fast enough so that you've got assets on the ground before the end of the decade. Because the fund needs to be invested by the end of the decade. So that's a little bit the, the tricky part, to find Right scale, not too small, not too big, but being uh, up and running by the end of the decade. Mm, that's a challenge in front of you. Let's, let's, let's take a closer look at the fund itself. Your industrial and financial backers are uh, Plug Power, Chart Industries, Baker Hughes and Ardian. Um, now, you've got some big names in there, a good blend of financial firepower and sector know-how from major strategic investors. How has this clout, knowledge, expertise helped to date with the fund? So, uh, one small uh, precision, Ardian is not an LP. Yeah. Ardian is the co-founder with the Survey24. So, we have the co-shareholders of I24. Uh, and, but, but you're perfectly right. The, the key LPs that have 
help move the fund forward are the US guys, Plug Power, Chart, Baker Hughes, but also Air Liquid, Total, and Vinci. Mm -hmm. And then we have many others that have moved on the road, Lotto Chemicals, uh, but also uh, Scheffler, EDF, uh, uh, Aeroport de Paris, Airbus, of course, etc. And on the financial side, we've got uh, the very big names of the French financial institutions, but also uh, big names from Germany, big names from Japan with JBIC, big names from Canada with CDPQ, etc. The beauty of that is that we basically having behind us the key players of the industry moving into hydrogen. So if they chose us, it basically means that they value, they trust our ability to understand uh, and properly pick the right projects. It's also bringing to the people in which we invest de facto kind of a label or a grant of credibility. And it's providing them with the capacity to have very significant co-investors if for, if for any reason we need to. So we are not only bringing the high 24 own investment capacity, but we can bring in CDPQ, we can bring in AXA, we can bring in um, GBIC, we can bring in uh, Total based on the type of project. And I think it means that we are bringing to the table, in fact, not our size, but roughly 10 times our size if we want which I think it makes it very, um, uh, it, it explains well the catalyst role we have. And last element, of course, those guys can provide us projects. Mm. So in, in, some, mm. in some cases, we're going to invest with them. And last, um, we also can sometimes come back to them and tell them, what do you think about this technology, which those guys pretend is mature, we are not sure. And they can, they can give us eventually a, 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 an advisor's view. Interesting. And frankly, to get all these people, excellent, excellent organizations, but to get them all around the same table, I think you need something out of Game of Thrones to. Ah, that's <laughs> that's a valid question. And that's, that's why we have, we have that. Okay. In, in a way, that's a little bit, I don't say if it's my magic or not, but this is what I've done when I chaired the, the Hydrogen Europe platform. It was 100 members and the commission to manage as well. When we created the Hydrogen Council, I had to steer. 13, then 60, then more than 100 members as well at the CEO level. So uh, managing expectations of a diversity of group <laughs> is something you need to master. And indeed, in this one, we have something special is that we gathered them, the industrial ones and the big players, regularly every, every two and a half months mm -hmm. to, uh, to discuss on the market mm -hmm. and to exchange views. And I think it's extremely rich for them and for us. Mm -hmm. So, so far, so far, as soon as we keep a regulated, independent approach to fund decision, which is the case, that's fine. Uh, the, the only thing is to make sure that they do not overpass the, <laughs> the, the decision limit. <laughs> we don't want to, to do that. They, they cannot do that. So that, that's fine. Excellent. Okay, uh, thank you for that. And we're now moving on to the bigger picture. Can you please run us through what sort of enterprises does High24 back and what sort of effect does your investment have on the rest of the industry? And can we include in that, uh, what, what, what are you looking for as investors? So, uh, as investors, we now we are, as I said, we, we're going to the end of the closing, so we don't need any investors anymore. But we were looking to, to we were looking for on the financial side, sovereign or very large, long patient capital because we're, we're going to deliver capital gains. It's we're starting with greenfield or small brown free project, and we're growing them to the time they have a good exit value. The cash flow profile, the yield will not be very strong at the start because we all know it's a nascent industry. So investors need to be patient. And on the industrial side, we're looking for investors that are bringing technology, project, knowledge on the topic so that they are credible when they move with us. Now, 
where are we investing? Uh, there are basically, we are investing upstream downstream first, the whole value chain. So large green hydrogen project, eventually going up to the ammonia, to the methanol transformation. We can also in, include the power part because sometimes it's integrated, the power plus the hydrogen. And we're also looking at downstream use, users in the different verticals, but with a big focus on transportation because we think mobility, heavy duty mobility, intensive mobility will be a strong part of the hydrogen needs in the future. Oh, yes. Now, which kind of people we're looking at? You've got two avenues. One is to go maybe post-fit decision with the big players, some of them being our LPs. So then you are more a passive investor, deconsolidation, resharing party. This is what we can do. But what we're also doing is we're giving a lot of, I would say, power to project developers. Want to develop greenfield project with a very disruptive view probably more stretchy than a classical incumbent player and that I'm moving the needle one step further. And this is what we're going to do. This is what we're doing with Hydrogen. This is in a way what we're doing with the Enagas spin-off that we've done with them, where we're investing together in their renewable division. We're trying to help the entrepreneurs of this nascent industry that are going to be the one disrupting the industry into the massive scale projects that are needed for the future. So it's a mix of the two. And, you know, whenever anybody says nascent technology um, in, in this sort of setting, I can't help but think of offshore wind, which went from nascent technology to established and bankable in the blink of an eye. You expecting the same here? In fact, if you if you look at, um, at the figures, uh, if you take renewable 20 years ago, the renewable was selling fulfilling tariffs, uh, either wind or solar, not yet offshore, at maybe 400 euros or 400 dollars per megawatt hour. Today, it's selling between 20 and 30. So they, they decreased the cost by 20 in, in 20 years. For hydrogen, the, we are not speaking at all of a nascent industry because the technologies are there, yes. but what needs is to, is to make it cheaper green. And the, the amounts at stake, uh, at stake sorry, are to basically divide by two the cost, not by 10 or by 20, by two. So it's not nascent in the technology, it's nascent in the use for those new cases, which is greening, steel making, greening petrochemicals, greening transportation, where you need a different way to do hydrogen. So that's why the, 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 the risk is the scale and, and to make sure that the scale happens fast <clears throat> with not too many overruns, of course, and 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 we and bringing together the, the the cost reduction, but I think the decade we see is going to make that happen. And already, if I compare what I see now and what I was seeing when we started the big big things on hydrogen in the last ten years when I was with Elikid, the cost of electrolysis, for example, has di has divided already by three or four, and, and so so we're on the right track. I'm not very worried. Yeah, fair point. Um, now let's take a look at the challenges that hydrogen faces to scale uh, at pace. Uh, earlier this month, uh, that's September 2022, for people tuning in at a later date, uh, the EU announced plans for a 3 billion euro hydrogen bank. Does that move the dial for you at all? Well, this amount is probably not the most significant of what, Euro has of what Europe has announced over the last two, three years, because the total amount of support schemes announced by the different states is probably raising up to 50 billion. But it shows that Europe is taking 
so is acknowledging the need to develop schemes which are going to back the risk for off-takers to buy green hydrogen at a higher price than what they do today with grain. And so they need some mechanisms to be helping them support, swallow the delta cost. And so you can, reg regulatory-wise, you can progressively push everybody to shift to green, but you need to accompany that. And this bank is one step forward into the direction of bringing guarantees, uh, CFD support schemes, etc. So I don't think it's the right size. It's, I think that bank is called to be bigger in the future, but it's the right start for sure. Okay. Um, when I hear something like this, I can't help but think of the Green Investment Bank in the UK that was set up and its initial goal, but everyone likes to f move away from that and fudge it, that it was actually for renewables in general. That was really designed to get offshore wind off the ground. Now, I think they invented uh, they um, lent to one offshore wind farm. I could be wrong there, so forgive me if I'm completely wrong. But you know, the role they played was not significant in driving this ah, okay. sector. But uh, here, I think there is so much need that uh, mm. uh, they, they 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 should be uh, they should be used for that because you've got needs to to fund the delta cost between green and grey. You need you got need to fund the station deployment of the network of pipes to interconnect European countries into a hydrogen pipe in the future. So mm -hmm. there is a lot to fund. Don't worry. <laughs> yes, there is. Yes, there is. And uh, you reckon it's going to be piped, do you? There will Blimey. be some piped. Yes, there will be some piped, of course. That's not without its challenges now. You're going to agree. No, that's not, that's not, the, the, that's not what's going to happen this decade. No. But some early connections will start early, like it has already started in the Netherlands because you know the the Northern Sea uh, gas, the Groningen gas, is going to be depleted. So they have they have empty pipes, and the Garazuni is already starting to to fill them with hydrogen to to test the replacement and the retrofitting, and it's very promising. So some of it is going to come, but but first we need to do the green hydrogen, and we do stations to deploy it for the trucks and buses, etc. Yeah. So a lot of things to happen. So very much as, as an opening gambit for hydrogen, it's going to be uh, local applications for industry where it's constructed, where, where it's um, developed, created. Yeah, so it's going to be first shifting grey to green mm -hmm. in, in all industries that use hydrogen today. So refinery, ammonia, petrochemicals. That shift only requires 800 billion of investments everywhere in the world. It's mm -hmm. going to take some time. Second, mm -hmm. Shifting existing heat intensive or heavy heavy energy uh, intensive process like steel making, uh, glass, pulp and paper, cement to hydrogen or hydrogen rich fuels could be synthesis gases could be just pure hydrogen. That's going to be the next step. And in parallel, transport, heavy duty transportation that's coming this decade, especially with the regulation in Europe banning for thermal engine. You cannot have the whole transport industry shift just with battery. If you cannot hybridize with diesel, you need to hybridize with hydrogen. The new wave will be battery and hybridation of battery and hydrogen. That's going to come post-25. Do you, do you anticipate that hydrogen is going to move right down the scale to our private cars or is it uh, is it going to sort of stop at heavy goods vehicles and trains? Uh, my, my bet is that in the end, uh -huh. hydrogen will be everywhere, but it will start 
with a light commercial vehicle, heavy duty, medium duty, trains and ships. Mm -hmm. uh, even though today you've got 50,000 cars and trucks up and running in the world, mm -hmm. and most of it is light duty because Toyota and Hyundai has pushed for light duty because it's a way to have volumes and decrease the cost. Mm -hmm. So it would be a mix of it, but it's true it's easier to deploy first fleets of buses, fleets of trucks, of ready of return to base uh, schemes, logistic yeah. operators, because you you load you load easy, uh, rapidly the station, so you have a better economics. Long term, you will even you will have hybridation of electric, electric hydrogen and hydrogen for everything. <laughs> the future is hydrogen. Okay. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was going to say not all, but there. probably fifteen percent, uh, twenty. I assumptions is fifteen to twenty percent of the final energy demand should be hydrogen. So no, it's not all, but it's electron and hydrogen that make the global energy system work in a non-fossil base. That's the point. Absolutely. Okay, uh, going back on to script, <laughs> um, let's look at hydrogen from an investment perspective. Um, you'll surely agree that the hydrogen economy has some way to go before it's risk-free. Imagine me doing air quotes as I say that. Um, even with the economics around green hydrogen shifting considerably since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, there's still a long way to go. And that's before we even look at the regulatory environment. What do you reckon? Are we, are we running before we can walk? Is the ecosystem de-risked sufficiently for investment decisions to be made? Well, at least with the recent IRA, plan in the US, yeah. which is giving a big premium to green hydrogen. It's moving the needle one step further and it's pushing back Europe to move faster because Europe has, has, has lost a very big ambition with a lot of money, but the execution plan was taking time. So now you've got two big continents pushing for large scale green hydrogen production. You've got Korean Japanese that are continuing to support the transport industries, and you've got every key player that is not looking anymore at one megawatt, but hundreds of megawatt or gigawatt size projects. So all the all the moves are getting at the right size and scale. The issue that needs to be solved is to make sure the off-takers move in mm -hmm. and take the risk to off-take the green and to pay the premium with some support from the states. And this is what's going to come thanks to the IRA and European scheme. So I think we are really now at the tipping point where you will see real projects coming. Uh, the IPSE regulation from Europe, the second wave securing large production of green hydrogen projects in France and other countries has been announced. It's it's basically freeing up to 5 billion of projects. That's going to move the needle to hundreds of megawatt projects and paving the way for the next stage. Mm -hmm. And that's going to start in the next two, three years. So it's really coming now. Yeah, like a juggernaut. Um, now, you mentioned uh, the US there. But let's take a bit more of a look across the pond. Um, the Inflation Reduction Act, IRA, as you mentioned, in the US, that gave a shot in the arm to green hydrogen production alongside electric vehicle charging and the broader rollout of renewables. Uh, this sort of support for green hydrogen in the US from the Biden administration, is that what you reckon we need across Europe? Alors, as, as we said, uh, more or less, Europe was the one launching it, mm. but the execution part of it took too much time. And so where Europe comes with hundreds of pages of regulation, which are very complex, the US comes with a tax credit and, <laughs> and that's it. So I think US is basically doing what Europe said that needs to be done. And so uh, Europe will follow. 
and and, and they, because they, everything is there, they just need to make things enacted on the countries to be able to move forward. But 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 exactly that they are exactly pushing the same kind of lines, and I think this is very good. Mm, yeah. Well, a very positive view of the hydrogen environment. I'd expect nothing less. Why frankly. not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not, indeed? Um, well, I think that wraps it up for another InfraDig podcast. Um, I, I'd like to thank you, Pierre Etienne, for taking time to join us and running through your very interesting organization. Thank, thank you very you much. For, thank, thank you for you joining for me. Your time as well. And to the listener, my thanks also to you. I hope you found this to be anything but. In for a dig.